Peter Williamson, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. We're here at the CBAM WPP Distinguished Lecture and Panel looking at China and the rise of the BRICS. And as ever, your presentation was insightful. Tell us a little bit about how China is building its brand image and why it's being so successful. Well, one of the uh, things I think is important to realize about brands, as I think as President Obama famously put, you can't put lipstick on a pig. So you need to be able to have a source of value added and a differentiated offering uh, for the consumer before you can use the brand to uh, have a sound uh, to build on a sound platform. So what I uh, think is very important is to understand that Chinese companies have been ramping up their innovation and value added, and that has provi provided that sort of platform for brands to be built upon. And we're just at the cusp of them starting to build brands, firstly inside China, and I think eventually uh, overseas as well. Yes, because there's the domestic market and the international market, but the domestic market is huge, something you always uh, point out. But also the time that it takes to get innovation to market is, is so speeded up compared to the West. That's what I think has surprised many Western commentators. They thought that it would take 20 or 30 years for China to make any significant uh, steps forward on innovation. But, of course, in a market that's growing at double-digit uh, rates, you have enormous ability to drive down a learning curve fast, to run things out into the market, get feedback from the customers, improve them. So, actually the innovation process can move a lot faster in these brick markets than it can in the uh, mature markets where you don't have the same growth and therefore you don't have the same beautiful sandbox to use to test and improve things. And it's also the organization, isn't it, itself? You talked about the number of engineers in, in China, ju just you know how quickly they can innovate and, and, if you like, grasp and take hold of a market and, and then become the brand leader. Yes, I think that's a very important point. Many people still think of China's advantage as having these hundreds of millions of assembly workers, but uh, many Western companies have already been able to tap into that benefit of China, and therefore the real uh, competitive game is about who has the ability to tap into the low-cost engineers in China, uh, of which there are many, many uh, compared to the rest of the world. And, they, and of course, they're graduating them at uh, ever-increasing rates. And uh, a disproportionate amount of the graduates in China, of course, are in science and engineering compared to the West. But we, if we looked at those top 50 brands that were unveiled at the end, we saw China Mobile, we, we saw food, drink, we saw in insurance companies as well, didn't we? Uh, trainers, the sort of things you, you might ex expect in the West. Was there any surprises in those top 50 for you? I think one thing that uh, struck me is that some of the new technology uh, companies like Baidu in Internet Search or uh, so forth in, in the new technology are starting to come through in, in China. And again, partly because China is such a fertile market for developing these kind of new technology, uh, new digital type of products and services, uh, innovations moving very fast in that area. So you did see the traditional ones that one would expect, the, the big banks, the big telecoms companies, but 
what I think will term the innovators are also building brands in, in new areas like the internet. And that's what you talked about, perhaps the lack of social entrepreneurs in China, didn't you, compared to the other economies, say, for instance, India? Yes, and that, that, is, a, that is a difference. But again, uh, knowledge is moving around the world so quickly these days that I think some of the differences that we think are set in stone are being uh, eliminated quite quickly. And uh, so India is taking things from China, China is taking things from India, and uh, you, you're getting a lot more convergence in the kinds of innovation and branding uh, possibilities that are out there. And th the other thing that I think uh, came through in the top 50, as you mentioned, was the widespread across different industries. But when you think about it, it's not so surprising that that would be the case because we should remember that inside China, all companies are facing intense competition. They must find a way to differentiate themselves, not only from multinationals, but from other Chinese competitors. And branding and innovation are two important ways to do that. Now, in, in a week where we have seen President Ho visit President Obama, he's been to Africa, he's, he's been to see our, our Prime Minister David Cameron too, one of the fascinating things I thought about Doreen Wang's research, looking at those uh, top 50 most valuable Chinese brands, when you broke it down, was how actually the Chinese liked to think of themselves as American or Western in terms of what they owned and had aspirations to own things. Yes, I, I think that's true, but one of the uh, subtle distinctions I think that you need to make there that came out in her results is that it's, uh, it's not only Western or American brand associations that they're interested in. They're open to so many different uh, possibilities of brand building and brand loyalty and they could be Chinese, they could be uh, American, they might be European or they might be J Japanese or Korean or, or something else. So it's a very fluid environment and I think it's important in that environment to make sure that we don't carry too much of our prejudices and thinking from the way people approach brands in our markets because it might be quite different. And I think the distinction between the way Chinese think about foreign brands and Chinese brands is often way overstated. They are just interested in brands and the value proposition that companies can put forward to them. Now, there seems to, to be a consensus, finally, Peter, that if you look at, you know, we've always talked about China pitted against India, you know, the race to, to be the sort of, if you like, the top nation and China now overtaking Japan, moving on uh, to overtake America. It looks like in 10 years' time from the, the GDP figures out this week of 10.1%. But, but are you surprised about what you've heard about Brazil today? Uh, Dr. Jonathan Garner indeed thought he would tip Brazil to come forward in terms of the rise of the BRICS. Well, I, I think his comments are interesting, and I have no reason to think they, they're not right, but I think you have to keep Brazil in perspective. Brazil is less than a quarter of the size of China or India in terms of population, so they may actually move uh, forward at, at a rapid rate, and they are doing some great things in sustainable energy and agriculture and different sorts of technology. And democratizing, you know, over 50% of Brazilians now middle class? That's, all of that's correct. But again, I come back to my point that you need to keep them in perspective. 
there are several hundred million Brazilians. There are more than uh, going for 1.5 billion Chinese, and India will soon surpass China as the largest population uh, in the world. So, uh, yes, there'll be an interesting area, but they're not going to make uh, the global impact that that nearly 40 to 50 percent of the world's population in those two big countries are going to make as they change the way they they consume, the way they live, uh, and the kind of brands and technologies that they buy. So you remain, at the end of this conference, a China man. <laughs> that may be my delusion or it may be my insight. Only time will judge. <laughs> You appear to like and, and respect and find, if, if you like, great appeal in how they innovate, how they take over markets and go into those markets, and if you like, find solutions to become brand leaders. I think the uh, thing that is nice in all of these uh, high-growth countries is the sort of can-do attitude and willingness to uh, find ways forward and not to see uh, obstacles as insurmountable. And uh, sometimes, you know, we've become... Uh, very cynical and uh, uh, sort of downbeat in the West, especially after the financial crisis. And uh, that doesn't actually help you move forward compared to economies where most people have a very positive outlook on the future. Professor Peter Williamson, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today here at the CBAM WPP Distinguished Lecture and Panel, China and the Rise of the BRICS. I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you very much.